In a world consumed with busyness, noise, and anxiety, the Christian Ashram Movement provides a group discipline focused on the kingdom of God, self-surrender, the word become flesh, and the proclamation of Jesus is Lord. Join us on this first season of the Christian Ashram International Podcast as we meet women and men from around the world who serve as leaders in this movement. Well, welcome to the Christian Ashram Podcast. Uh, this is your host, Matt Henson, and uh, good to have you back with us here on the Christian Ashram Podcast as we are in our first season. And in this first season, we are focusing on some of the voices of the Christian ashram and telling some of the story uh, of the ashram and, and the history and some of the things that are going on uh, now in the Christian ashram. And we're glad to have Brother Tom Albin with us uh, here uh, on the Christian Ashram Podcast. Tom, great to have you with us today. Thank you, Matt. It's a joy to be here and with our ashram family. That's right. And and Tom uh, serves as the executive director of the United Christian Ashram International. And so we wanted to talk to you today. Uh, tell us about how you first got introduced to Brother E. Stanley Jones and to the Christian Ashram movement. Well, the Christian Ashram movement became uh, real to me relatively recently, but I knew Brother Stanley through my father, Don Albin, who was a Kansas farmer. He attended a rally where E. Stanley Jones spoke and came back with an E. Stanley Jones devotional book. And as a boy growing up on the Kansas prairie, at the end of the day, we'd, uh, having worked in the field, we'd come in, we'd shower, we'd have our evening meal. Dad would watch the 10 o'clock news, and then he'd get out his Bible and his E. Stanley Jones devotional book. So I felt like Brother Stanley was a part of my family uh, vicariously through my dad. And so you said you recently got involved in the Christian Ashram movement. When when was the first Christian Ashram, or where was the first Christian Ashram you attended? Uh, the first one I attended was in Blue Lake uh, United Methodist Camp in Andalusia, Alabama, and it was through the influence of my friend Evelyn Laycock. Evelyn had spoken in numbers of ashrams. I had heard about them. I'd been invited to them, but always had something else that kind of came up. And I told Evelyn, let me know when you speak, because I'm going to try and come someday. And so she called me in 2012 and said, Tom, this is my last one. I'm at the end of my career. Uh, my husband's not well and so on. And so uh, Bishop Richard Looney is going to be the evangelist. I'll be the Bible teacher. It's in August of 2012. Can you make it? And I said, Evelyn, I promised you I'd come. I'm going to keep my promise. And so that was the very first Christian ashram. And without a doubt, uh, having been there and seen that community and experienced the presence of the living God, it was clear to me that God works through and in the environment of the Christian ashram movement. And so if God's in it, I'm interested. Okay. <laughs> and that's, that's, a very, that's a great truth right there. You had that experience, that first experience, and mm -hmm. as you came away from it, you, you experienced the, the, the simple schedule, you, you, you went through the rhythm of the Christian ashram. What was it that really engaged you in a special way as you were part of that first Christian ashram? Well, we, you know, Bishop Richard Looney is a wonderful, uh, humble, godly, retired United Methodist bishop at that time, and a wonderful evangelist. Um, 
And Evelyn Laycock was one of those people who you almost felt like she could take you to Jerusalem with her words and her stories and her uh, ways of illustrating the text. So that was the evangelist, the Bible teacher, and then the people that were attracted, uh, an ecumenical, eclectic, fun, interesting group of folks that you won't find any other place, hardly. And so it was all of that. But at the same time, I was in conversation with the four of the Christian ashram movement, which was Ann Matthews Eunice and Dorothy Davis and uh, Roberto Escamilla and Bill Berg at that time, because they were saying, we believe that we need somebody like you, Tom, to come and work with us in the Christian ashram movement. And so we were in those conversations, and so they actually sent me uh, to uh, participate in the Minnesota Christian ashram as well. So having never been, uh, in August I went to two. And there again in Minnesota, since the presence of the living God saw people come to renew their faith, Mm -hmm. uh, to come to faith in the first instance— Uh, to see children, youth, and adults having fun together uh, in the presence of the Lord. And I thought, God is in this one too. Mm -hmm. And so if God's in it, and they they feel led to invite me, uh, maybe I need to take that really seriously. So Marilee and I began to pray seriously, had conversations with uh, the upper room about participating, and how we could work out Uh, that relationship, because I love what I do with the upper room, and I love the Christian ashram, and it's been that way since 2012, and I have the rare privilege of spending 75% of of my time with the upper room ministries and 30% of my time with the Christian ashrams. And in that 30% of your time, uh, and, and your definition of 30% seems to be a lot different than most people's 30%, but um, you put a lot in 30%. You, you've traveled to several of the Christian ashrams in North America, and as you have traveled to these different places and, and de- uh, been able to engage these enthusiastic uh, people and these people who are seeking Christ— what are some experiences that you've had in traveling around North America, especially, uh, where you have seen the living God in special ways? Well, I would—gosh, uh, I've averaged almost 10 ashrams a year for the last nine years. So uh, even though I started officially in January of 2013—and, of course, you and I have been together to India. Yes. I've been there six times, and I think you four times. Yes, that's right. Uh, but— Let's see. It's hard to say something that hasn't happened okay. in the sense that I've seen people whose ears have been opened mm-hmm. uh, to hear the gospel in new ways because they're outside of their denomination, they're outside their church, they're with people from other denominations, and they're hearing and seeing Christ in and through the ashram family. Uh, Brother Stanley, in his book on Christ on the American Road, mm-hmm said that each one of us, just like we have a unique DNA and unique fingerprint, we have a unique perspective on Jesus. And if I'll listen to you, mm-hmm. and I'll listen to Nancy, your wife, mm-hmm. or my wife, Marilee, or someone else, 
I'll see and hear and learn more about who Jesus is. And that's not only true for us in our uh, denominations, but different denominations have a different perspective on Jesus. And if we'll listen across those denominations, we'll see a fuller picture of who Jesus is. And then he goes on to say that nations see and hear and experience Christ differently. And in Christ on the American Road, he's really calling us as North Americans to be humble enough to realize that a person from India or China or the Philippines or Korea or Japan or Sweden, which there are ashrams in all of those places, uh, their perspective on Jesus is different. And that comes through his own experience of his coming to India to to share Christ. Yes. I mean, his his own struggles with this Western idea of Jesus and how do you present Jesus in an Eastern uh, context, which leads us to this question of we live in a country in the United States right now, which has become even more the melting pot that I remember being talked about in social studies class when I was a kid. And how is it that what E. Stanley Jones has written and the Christian ashram ministry has set forth in the kingdom of God, how is that applicable in the 21st century, though written and organized in the 20th century? Well, I think you've you've given it the right context that being a missionary to India helped him to realize that we get Jesus wrapped up in our culture or entangled. And Brother Stanley will talk about a disentangled Christ. What would happen if Jesus wasn't tied to a white shirt and tie mm-hmm. or a sports da- jacket or dress or whatever? And that disentangled Christ has power. He also learned, and we need to relearn, that Jesus Christ himself is Christianity. Uh, you can't defend parts of the history of the church because human beings have used Jesus' name to do things that are un-Christ-like, not at all like Jesus, and that many of the objections of India are also objections of our world today, like how can the church be so segregated, Mm -hmm. or how can we be so sexist, or ageist, or whatever, or arrogant? And he learned that to separate Christ from church history was very important, and that all religions have some truth. Only in Jesus Christ does the Word, the living Word, become flesh. And uh, as we are, as you said, in fact, just down the road from my house, uh, a Baptist church uh, moved to a different place, uh, a synagogue uh, looked at the property, and a mosque, there's a a community now, a Muslim community, meeting in the building. Uh, it used to be those folks were a long ways away. Now they're my neighbors. Right. And I and Brother Stanley, because he learned to present Christ in a multi-religious setting, can help us in North America today and in re- religious settings around the world, I think, to disentangle Jesus from churchianity or Christianity in terms of church history. And we get to the Jesus who uh, is the one who calls us. 
which is the reason this simple affirmation of the Christian Asher movement is the three fingers raised to remind us not only of the Trinity, but simply Jesus is Lord. Right, and that's the simplicity of that message, but yeah. the the beauty of the expansiveness of, of that. And this is something that in the Christian Ashram, you mentioned all these different places uh, that the Christian Ashram exists. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, we uh, was thinking the other day, this now with our restart in Argentina, you have South America, you have North America, you have Europe with Sweden, uh, you have Asia, and we're working uh, now to get something started again in Africa. And so we're seeing the Christian Ashram expand but the one thing that's universal across all that is Jesus and the kingdom of God. Right. And that, that proclamation of Jesus as Lord. As we look into the future of the Christian Ashram and E. Stanley Jones's ministry and the like, um, there's so many authors who wrote in the 1920s, 30s, 40s, 50s. Um, I tend to be one who goes in a church library and looks for the old books because to me they have some great patterns and truth to exist. We're reprinting these mm-hmm. books, and as we reprint them, how, how do you see East Stanley Jones's ministry affecting the church of the 21st century, not just in the Christian ashram, but affecting the church? How is it that this can help the church to get back to its mission? That's a great question, Matt, and I would say in two or three ways. First of all, we've already mentioned that focusing on who Jesus really is— and listening to others who tell us what Jesus means to them. Uh, That's core for all all of this. Uh, Secondly, this thing about the kingdom of God in miniature that the ashram intentionally aims at, the kingdom of God in miniature. It's uh, the culture of the Lord's Prayer. We pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so we say to one another, let's treat each other now like we're going to treat each other in heaven. How were children valued by Jesus? Mm-hmm. We value children that way now. And many of the ashrams are intergenerational. It's part of the, the beauty of it is you have parents and grandparents and children and grandchildren all together. And if we treat each other like we're going to treat each other in the kingdom— then racism, sexism, all of that goes away, and we're authentically listening to one another. And that would help us in the church and all churches. And then the third thing about the kingdom of God in miniature is, what is our purpose? Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. Many of us in mainline Protestant denominations have gotten gotten comfortable Uh, having people seek and serve us. Mm -hmm. Uh, And we've lost our passion for the people who are not a part of the kingdom. But E. Stanley Jones had that passion. Jesus had that passion. Whenever the church has been vital, it's had that passion to reach the stranger, the neighbor, uh, the high-born and the low-born, and everybody in between. And so uh, E. Stanley Jones and the Ashram movement keep me mindful of Jesus' mission in to bring the kingdom of God here and now, mm-hmm. uh, which is more than just an ideology, it's a theology, mm-hmm. and it's a lifestyle. 
And as you and I know, uh, the goal of an ashram is to practice a certain kind of spiritual discipline and lifestyle so that when you leave the ashram, you do it at home. Mm -hmm. You have the morning watch every day. You have time alone listening to God. You have this opening your heart and then allowing your heart to overflow in gratitude. It's a way to live. And Brother Stanley tested it. The very fact that it exists next year, 2020, uh, just next month, will be the 90th anniversary in India, the 80th here. That's fairly unprecedented in church history when it comes to a non-denominational movement of the Spirit. Often they're falling away even when the leader becomes elderly. But for Brother Stanley to be gone for 40 years and the movement to continue is a testimony, I think, that it's got several things right. Yeah, and, and to have a church historian like yourself that has, has watched <laughs> over that, this is not someone that's just coming up with something. You've read and studied that church history. Mm. Um, and we do get ready to celebrate 90 years um, in 2020 at Satal, and as you said, you and I have been uh, there, and we uh, came back in October uh, from uh, our experience at Satal. Tell me just a little bit about what's going on in India right now with um, Satal Christian Ashram, where this all began, began, but also with some of these one-day and regional Christian ashrams that we're seeing beginning to start uh, in different parts of India. Brother Stanley said that the ashram would never be a massive movement, but if it kept an authentic movement, uh, that he would be pleased. I think there has been uh, a relatively new energy uh, to say this movement helps people. In fact, in Satal, uh, when we were together in October, there were exactly what E. Stanley Jones hoped. Uh, There were Christians who were there. There were Hindus who were there. There were agnostics who were there. There were people who were curious, not committed at all, just wanted to see And this curiosity about authentic faith and authentic spirituality is the perfect environment for the ashram movement to say what Jesus said, come and see, follow me. Mm -hmm. And so uh, you and I and the leaders in India are aware that Satal is a beautiful mountain place but it can only handle a finite number of people. And with the population growth in India, there is no way that people who want to come and see can get to Satal. It doesn't have enough capacity. The only way to provide this experience of walking with Jesus, experiencing the kingdom of God in miniature, is to do a one-day ashram, a local church ashram, or, as you know, we've started some new ashram experiences for college student leaders because the ashram renews people's soul over and over. If you're in the presence of the living God, you don't find yourself looking at your watch going, boy, I hope this doesn't last much longer. I want to go watch TV, <laughs> you know. Right, right. Uh, when you're in the presence of the Holy Spirit, you want to stay. Mm-hmm. You're renewed. You're revitalized. And campus leaders can be worn down with ministry and responsibility. And so those ashrams have 
produced life and fruit. Uh, on the other end, there's this whole baby boomer generation who's retiring, moving into retirement senior living communities. So we've started senior ashrams. We've done four of them now here in the U.S. There's interest in India in senior ashrams where people who have uh, left their homes, retired, uh, and this is kind of unkind, but I am one. I'm a baby boomer. I've got gray hair, though they can't see that on the podcast. That's right, that's right. <laughs> but, uh, you know, we baby boomers rebelled against authority. We said the Vietnam War wasn't a right way to handle conflict. And we rebelled against some of the churches and church leaders. And we rebelled against the government. And But everybody we rebelled against is dead. <laughs> you know, there's, there's nobody to rebel against anymore. That's We're right. it. That's right. Uh, my father just died in March, and I'm the oldest of my family, so I'm the last person in my clan between me and eternity. There's nobody there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what do I really believe about truth, life, faith, eternity? And so literally the fields are white for harvest or an opportunity for people to talk again and think again about what do they believe about eternal things. Mm-hmm. And uh, we just had a senior ashram just a few weeks ago, and people engaged in very fascinating ways. So uh, the ashram format is kind of like a cup, and you can put uh, coffee in the cup, you can put water in the cup, you can put a lot of different age groups in that ashram format and adapt it. It's very adaptable. And East Stanley treated it kind of like a spiritual experiment. Does this work? Does it produce life? If it does, we're going to keep it. If it doesn't, we're going to change it until we figure out what gives life. And uh, Jesus is the way, the truth, the life. I hope you're enjoying the interview. I want to take a moment to tell you about a wonderful opportunity. We want you to join us on a spiritual pilgrimage to the place that gave birth to the Christian ashram movement and experience the majestic beauty and splendid cultures of India. The United Christian Ashram International Board is hosting a trip to India September 23rd through October 11th, 2020. We'll spend time during our first week traveling to many of the beautiful tourist spots in Delhi, Agra, and Jaipur. We'll go to places like the India Gate, Mahatma Gandhi Memorial, and the Taj Mahal. Then we'll travel up the mountain to Satal, where we will participate in the Winter Christian Ashram with brothers and sisters from India. The cost for the trip will be $2,200 to $3,000 per person, plus flight. The price really depends on the number of participants. The cost includes lodging, food, and transportation in India. If you're interested in learning more about this trip, please contact me, matt at livingtheadventure.net, or give me a call, 618-830-6670. Let's go back to our interview. Tell me a little bit more about that adaptability, because in those retirement communities, um, you know, it's not a weekend, but it's a few days put together. Tell us a little bit more about how you're doing those. Yeah, rather than do a residential thing uh, like the ashram movement in retreat centers, it's just three mornings, or it could be four, 
Uh, but it has all the elements of the ashram, the open heart at the beginning, the overflowing heart, uh, because Jesus' ministry is preaching, teaching, and healing. Every ashram, whether it's one day or a weekend or three mornings, has preaching, it has teaching, and there is opportunity for a healing service. And some of the healing of memories, Mm -hmm. the surrendering of bitterness, or even giving up my disappointment that what I wanted my life to be didn't turn out that way, Mm -hmm. so that I can be fully present to the life I have Mm -hmm. at 68 or 78 or 88. And so, yeah, those basic elements uh, can be adapted to the context and the living situation. So basically, you got back from India the middle of October, and then you were a part of a retirement community, a Christian ashram, a one-day Christian ashram, and the Arizona Christian ashram, all within about four weeks of getting back. And you've seen all of those areas. You know, That's that growing ministry movement mm-hmm. that we can talk right now about international, we can talk about retirement community, we can talk about a one day, and we can talk about a weekend, and that's all using the same adaptable format with the core principles. Yes. And as we look at those core principles, and we talked about living it out daily, how do we live out um, the, the daily ashram and those core principles to be an order and a guide for our lives? Yeah. The phrase, and it I would encourage anybody who listens to this podcast to go to the E. Stanley Jones Foundation website or to the United Christian Ashram uh, website and look at Brother Stanley's books. There are 28 of them. But in every one of them, he has this profound ability to take complex things and turn it into a phrase Mm -hmm. or a sentence, like the kingdom of God in miniature, uh, like the concept of surrender— Often, what keeps me from being fully, joyfully, authentically myself are things that are unsurrendered, Mm -hmm. either my expectations, my hopes, or sometimes I need to surrender my fears or surrender my hurt in order to be fully present to what God wants me to be. But the phrase that's in my mind right now is the one where he says, I will not struggle or strive, I will surrender and trust. And so in those books and in this core thing, uh, that is the ashram way of life, really. Mm -hmm. And I'll have to confess this, when I first came to the ashram movement, uh, I heard the term ashramite. And all I could think of was termite. You know, it's something bad. <laughs> yeah, right, right. <laughs> uh, but an ashramite is really just like a Christian, somebody trying to live the Christ way mm-hmm. that they learned at an ashram event. And so my invitation to everyone is to don't just say, wouldn't it be nice to experience the kingdom of God now on earth? Go to an ashram. Come and join us. Come and see Uh, And you're not required to commit to anything. There's no coercion. There's no force. Uh, Just an opportunity to be around with other people who desire to know what it means to experience God, the living God. Mm -hmm. And people of all faith, Hindu, Muslim, 
Jew, agnostic, whoever, all faith and no faith are welcome to come. I want to be around those kind of people. That's right. Yeah, and, and you know, as as we continue to look into the future mm-hmm. uh, of the Christian ashram, you know, there's, uh, as you said, a lot of these type of non-denominational movements, especially after the leader who started it has died, they, they whittle away, they go away. We're seeing a resurgence in, in some ways. You know, we're yes. seeing a resurgence in new faith communities and Christian ashram communities that are starting. Where do you see the Christian ashram five years from now, ten years from now? Uh, how do you see us positioned in such a way that we can become really a movement in a midst of time of turmoil and even struggle uh, within the world? Hmm. Well, I guess I'd want to talk about qualities first, um, because as the Scripture says, we see in part and through a glass dimly. But my hope and prayer is that the Christian ashram will not settle for anything less than the presence of the living God, uh, that we won't get wrapped up in our programs and say, I've been faithful to the manual or the program. Uh, if God's not present, we need to pray. One of the beautiful things about an ashram is the prayer vigil, that it's bathed and surrounded in prayer, uh, and that whole quality of prayer. You know, Brother Stanley's little book, How to Pray, said if he could give one gift to the Christian church, it would be a vital, authentic prayer life. And so in some ways, the ashram is that. It's where you come and learn new ways to pray mm-hmm. and how to pray as a family and so on. So I would see us keeping uh, that intergenerational quality. I would see us, uh, we're planning and praying right now and uh, laying the groundwork, not only in India to do ashrams in uh, different languages in different states in India, but to do ashrams in Canada and North America, in Hindi, in Gujarati, and in Telugu, uh, are kind of the three target languages, because uh, this is kind of funny, but uh, there are people from India everywhere. Mm-hmm. And if all the Indians went on strike, I'm sure the World Wide Web would collapse. <laughs> I mean, there's every other person I talk to is a, an Indian computer programmer or web technology or app developer. So God bless India right. uh, for helping us all. Yeah, right. uh, but I think that the ashram ought to be available in, in Indian languages in the U.S. I think the same thing is true. There's conversation with others about doing ashrams in Spanish mm-hmm. here and in Latin American countries and so on. So I see it as uh, expanding multilingually. Mm-hmm. I like the idea of from uh, children to college to uh, seniors and everything in between because we get so segmented in our culture and in our interest groups, and we need that sense of family, the family of God, the kingdom of God, the presence of elders and all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess the final thing I'd say is that, and, and we're seeing this now in the diversity of our board members, uh, racially, gender-wise, uh, younger generation folks, who have answered the call of God to come and invest some of themselves, just as you have. Mm-hmm. And uh, so uh, I'm very hopeful about the future. Right. Uh, 
As we you know begin to wrap up and and this podcast, I. I, I would be remiss if I didn't allow you the opportunity for a moment to uh, share with us. 2015 is the first time that we traveled to India. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was for the 85th anniversary, and, and it was a wonderful opportunity. And Matthew Junis was with us. And so we had uh, an Indian tour guide, and then we had Anne to share with us so many stories. And, and we saw the, the, the situation in Satal and how they were— growing or but we're struggling i guess i should say in 2015 kind of that whole where does the next steps to today you've been there six times <laughs> we're seeing some resurgence and in october when we were there we saw just this explosion of young people tell us a little bit about how we got to that point um you and i had some experiences but i, I want to invite you to tell this story how have we connected even uh, the people, and certainly of Delhi, to the Christian ashram in Satal? Tell me a little bit about this group that came in October. Hmm. Well, I could spend another 45 minutes doing that, but uh, in essence, I think it's two things. One is we have kind of recentered ourselves in the ashram movement's mission is not just for us to enjoy uh, seeing the people we met before, but it is missional. We're to prayerfully seek those who need this experience and then find a way to help them have it, whether it's by invitation or if we need some scholarship help or whether just encouragement. And in particular, uh, we've discovered an evangelist mm-hmm. uh, in a layperson uh, who is dynamic, uh, has a passion for connecting people, and the ability to say these people would really benefit from leaving their location and be in the mountains where they could rest and receive and worship and pray and uh, some of the others in the ashram movement have said, uh, you find them, we'll fund them, <laughs> and, right. and provided a way for them to come. Right. So it is the whole body of Christ working together, I think. But if I said anything about it at all, I think it's just recovering that missional, seeking, intentional role uh, where and it's true for every generation in every movement. It's easy to get comfortable doing the things that are the machinery with the people we enjoy and forget that we exist as Christians for the neighbor who hasn't met Christ yet. Mm-hmm. And, to, and because we believe that Christ is life-giving, life-transforming, and we see it. The ashram is kind of a hothouse in that way, where you can see the plant grow quickly, mm-hmm. and you see people grow quickly in the matter of three mornings in a senior ashram, or one day in an ashram setting, uh, where there's prayer, there's the living God, and there's nothing that's more rewarding than being a part of something that God is doing. Uh, so that, for me, is everything. Yeah. And, and I love how you know, we're just sitting here talking, but you have just threaded this whole thing with, if God's in it, I want to be a part of it. <laughs> yeah. And I love that. 
as we wrap up here, is there anything that you would want to share that maybe we haven't talked about but you think is vitally important for our audience uh, to know about East Stanley Jones, the Christian Ashram, um, or, or what this ministry is doing uh, around the world? I think the two things I'd want them to know, number one is that God is living and active. So if you're interested in investing, I'm 68 years old, I'm tired of spending my time, I want to invest my time in something that matters. If you want to invest your time and money in something that matters, the ashram is a great investment. That's the first thing. Uh, I think the second thing is that there are so many wonderful distractions in the Western world and so many entertainments and so many video games, but in the end, they do not satisfy the soul. And I would wish every person in Western civilization and in Eastern economic prosperity to be totally dissatisfied with amusement. You know, amusement means without thinking, just like ashram is away from hard work. But to invest time with God and to make that a priority because, you know, that is ultimately every mother and father's responsibility, every grandparent's responsibility, is not only to pass on the property, but to pass on the faith. Mm -hmm. And to teach our children to love God with all their heart, soul, strength, and mind, the ashram is a great ally mm -hmm. and a great experience. And it's out of the ordinary. So you have to work a little harder to find it, to do it, uh, but I would, in my experience, God has never let people down who have come asking, seeking, and knocking. Well, Brother Tom, I appreciate your time and, and the time that you've uh, shared with us and the ideas and the thoughts that you shared with us here on the Christian Ashram podcast today. And um, we will work to get the links up uh, for the East Stanley Jones Foundation uh, and for the Christian Ashram, United Christian Ashram, uh, so that folks can connect uh, to those. You, you mentioned those and looking at the book, so we'll try to uh, get a link there where people can, can grab on to that information. And we'd love to see people uh, who are listening to this who haven't experienced the Christian Ashram to come. And uh, as we're here in the, the month of December, we know that uh, families and, and friends are gathering together, and uh, we pray that as each people, everybody gathers together for this season, uh, that they'll have a great Merry Christmas, uh, remembrance of the great gift that was given to us uh, in Jesus Christ. And so thank you for being a part of the podcast, and uh, Brother Tom, thanks for being here. You're welcome. Thank you.